Good evening from Plug Hit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 570 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology for Sunday, August 16th, 2020. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, there's an Uber problem in California, an epic problem for Apple and Google, and a confusing problem for Netflix and Hulu. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of others, our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, or Facebook, or on our website, pluckitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. First, you can join us live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you'll chat, you can chat with us uh, during the show, give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them, uh, or you can always subscribe at pluckhitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, find all of the ways that you can watch or listen. Abram, how are you doing? Not bad, not bad. Um, you know, my son and I have been uh, playing with a lot of LED matrixes this week. Um, it was uh, something that we've been wanting to get to. I think I've mentioned on prior shows that I wanted to get into actually doing LED stuff to put behind me. Uh, we just set up um, a larger matrix that came in the mail, but I have a small one here that we did something cool i think is pretty cool with um so this here is a um make sure you can see it uh this here is a platformer game that we programmed on the raspberry pi using uh the pimeroni uh unicorn hat which is a um oop, i just died so it's being slow but anyway uh what it allows what it allows you to do is it allows you to I keep getting killed by this Goomba. Okay. So it allows you to roll around and you, and you can jump up and you can get coins and things like that. It is a platformer game that is sort of like a Nintendo game. But, um, uh, and we made a background with clouds and all that stuff. So it was kind of fun. Um, so, that's uh, that's been uh, that's been some of my time the last uh, the last few days because that's all my son really wants me to do with him is 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 do that and add new features. Right now we're at the point where it like you can run around and you can pick up coins and you can jump on top of the the uh, the bad guys and if you touch them you die. But I have to work on getting a better like death sequence and then he wants me to make another level where like if you go up to the top you'll get to another board which will have different platforms um but you know it's kind of a challenge i have to say i have just a lot of res even more respect for people who program games because trying to program you know what happens if you this dot touches that dot um is is really challenging because it's not like there was a game engine or something so you know if i have to say oh if the red dot that's the top of the head is going to go into the same position as a green dot that is a platform uh make him stop like and hit his head and like come down again because mm -hmm. you can't you can't go through an object or you know whatever so uh that's um 
eh. that's kind of been kind of been the gist of it. It reminds me a lot um, of something uh, that we've been working on in in uh, God. I guess it was middle school. Uh, going through the code that came with uh, DOS with QBasic for Nibbles, which uh, a lot of people would recognize as the game Snake that came on uh, Nokia phones. Um, oh yes, there's a version of Snake that came with this with this uh, LED matrix that you can play. So I, I remember in in middle school in one of our classes. Uh, well, not in the class, but during the class, we went through the code, and uh, I don't think we were supposed to be able to access DOS, but doesn't matter. Um, we were uh, we were looking through the code and making changes and made it so that the walls allowed us to clip and <laughs> go off to the left and come in the right and things that the game wasn't supposed to do. And so, yeah, looking at the logic that supported, you know, collision detection was uh, was interesting in a in a language that didn't have that concept, which is, is exactly what you're right. looking I mean, at now. Maybe, maybe there's some way of doing it. I think the fact that we're doing it with LEDs and that on, on an actual screen is, is make, makes it more comp, makes it more complicated. We can't mm-hmm. really create a quote unquote sprite this way, or at least not that I can think of, not that I could figure out. So, um, but anyway, you know, fun. We have, uh, a bigger matrix off to my side here. That's, uh, this is 16 by this is 16 by 16, but we have a larger one that is um, 32 by 64. Um, that is about yo big uh, that we just got, uh, and the I, the goal there is to figure out how to get it to show some cool information. Then I'm going to buy one or two more of them. Given the size of this, it might have to be two more or or three more. And put them on, put them on the wall, hang them on the wall behind me, and have it show something cool. And there's something cool. Maybe there's something cool will be a game, but I was thinking more along the lines of something that I could show during this show or during other shows that I that I'm on. I don't know if it's showing something like a topic or or what, but um, that's that's the that's the goal. I'm thinking maybe I need, given the size of this, I'm thinking maybe I need you know three more. And then maybe I should do instead of doing two across, maybe I should do two across and two down or two something by two. like that. So I have two by two. Uh, sixty-four very, by one twenty-eight. Not very tall. Yeah, you know, maybe a sixty-four by one twenty-eight. I don't know. The th- it's a it's a thought because it's just not. Um, I don't know. I want it to be nice and big so when you look at it, you're like, yeah, that's cool. Um, <laughs> I think the thing I'll have to do is order these matrices are not cheap. Yeah. Um, the, uh, this one was 30, but 32 bucks. Um, but, uh, AliExpress has ones that will ship from China and get here in a month and a half, uh, for $12 each. So maybe I'll order three of those. <laughs> and if they ever arrive, I'll have a nice big one. Um, so they'll, don't worry, they'll be here by 2023. <laughs> yeah. Guaranteed yeah. delivery by August of 2023. Yeah, now what I don't know for sure is if they'll be, you know, this, if the color will render exactly perfectly the same on them either. So that's, that's true. Another, another, another open question. Well, interestingly, my day has uh, also been uh, uh, kind of covered by... <laughs> By LEDs, 
I did some how-to videos on the uh, the smart luminescence um, uh, pixel systems. The the what are they? The prism and the digit, and so those will be going up soon. So I got to play with some of the details on those since uh, our regular viewers will know that I played with them the day that we opened them, put them on the wall. The sticky did not stick to the paint on the wall behind me. They fell. I put these back up and uh, then we started moving the office. So uh, I haven't really touched them much since then. So today was my opportunity to really mess around with them and uh, they're cool. <laughs> I like them a lot. <laughs> um, anyway, that's so it's fun that you and I have both been messing around with with LED pixel stuff. <laughs> can never have enough or can never have enough RGBs. Yeah, and when you can when you can build a a, a single panel that's got all kinds of pixels in it and do animations within that pixel, oh, super cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, uh I guess from from my side We'll have those videos up soon, and I think uh, I think Avram's gonna write about his little project too, right? Yep. So we'll have content on both of these things uh, coming up on the various sites soon. So check that out. But for now, let's get down to some news. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is probably powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, a new Xbox, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. Uh, and that includes the uh, pre-order for the new Surface Duo, which I am super excited about, and everybody who knows me knows that I am. Uh, and of course, remember that current students and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything. And to find out about all of that, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. All right. So we talked about this uh, last year when... Um, when uh, Assembly Bill 5 was passed in California that um, uh, tried to coerce the gig economy companies into not considering their contractors as contractors, but instead as employees, um, there was no way that that was not going to create trouble because obviously that would be a complete departure for the business model for these companies and it would require a lot of changes because as we talked about at the time, um, the, just the, uh, the idea that, uh, say Uber allows drivers to pick an area and hang out and kind of do what they want when they want. Uh, if they were paying an employee, that would not be the case. It would be a lot more like a taxi cab company. So it would be, there'd be a lot of changes, uh, to the business model. So obviously they made, the minimum amount of changes that they thought they could to comply with the law. California disagreed and um, took them to court and uh, they tried to get a, a stay. It didn't work. So they basically have until August 20th. Yeah, that's right. 2020, um, August 20th to uh, finish a full appeal or, uh, come into compliance or stop operating in the state. 
And uh, I have a feeling up front, number three is going to be their solution because there is a ballot measure, uh, Proposition 22, that will be on the ballot in November, which would essentially override the majority of Assembly Bill 5. And I think these companies would back away for a short while to see how that goes before they spend the time and resources to change their business model. That's my guess. What do you think, Abram? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Especially right now. Situation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a complicated situation because, and I hear this a lot from friends of mine who are freelance writers in California, that they're concerned about uh, about Assembly Bill, it's Assembly Bill 5, yes. uh, preventing them from doing their job as freelancers because companies can't hire them for too many articles or else they'll be considered employees. Yep. And then the company, and some of these folks don't want to be employees. Like they want to be freelance. They want, they don't want to be full-time employees. They don't want, they want to be, you know, doing uh, stuff piecemeal. I spent, uh, I know. spent 10 years as a software uh, contractor and, and I, I hear that this gets in the way of that and I didn't want to work for a company. It took it took ten years of me doing it before I said, Okay, I'll work for a company again. I didn't want to be an employee. I, think, I wanted to be me. But I think I think that the issue is there's also a lot of it, it goes both ways, right? There there's definitely for I think it's probably a lot more people who would like the security of I mean, what are we really talking about full time or not full time? We're really talking about health insurance, period. Right. If you're not a full time employee, you don't get health insurance. Uh, and if you're a full time employee, uh, presumably they have to provide you with health insurance. So, you know, if California or perhaps even the country came up with better ways for people to get health insurance, we wouldn't have these problems because uh, the reason that people want to be full-time employees and the reason that the state wants them to be full-time employees is to make sure that people are covered with health insurance. If, uh, if they had it an easier way for people to get health insurance or, you know, they would, um, then it, uh, it was more affordable, whatever. Um, then I don't think we would have these debates. I think it's really all about the fact that the, the, the government of California, like many other states, wants people in that state to be covered by health insurance. Uh, they see that as an important important thing since people end up going since first of all people end up going bankrupt if they don't have health insurance, and then the hospitals end up hurt too because people can't show up without insurance, and then even though they send them a big bill, they can't pay it. So, right. like, you know, so I think it's really, I, I mean. What, what do I think will happen? I think that the political power behind uh, Uber and some of these other gig things will probably lead to passage passage of that referendum. Uh, I think a lot of people are not happy not happy with the way that this that this has forced the issue. Um, but there are also people who are there are also people who, Quite frankly, there there definitely are companies that have abused the system a lot, where they say, sure. "Hey, you know, we don't want to pay for benefits for someone, so it's so much cheaper for us to just pay this person as a freelancer, uh, but treat them but treat them like staff." So, 
I mean, I believe that there are also federal labor laws mm -hmm. to the, uh, that are that are equivalent to this. It's just that they're not as aggressively enforced. Right. But then, and, you know, and I, I think, have over the years. I think if they were, I think like if the if the federal laws that define what is a contractor and what is not were easier to enforce or uh, enforced at all. I think a lot of problems would be dealt with because you know the people who are when you draw when you agree to drive for Uber or Lyft, you know you're a contractor. There's a there's an agreement between you and the company, an employment agreement that both of you have said this is this is how we're going to operate. But then there's those companies that that you know abuse it where they tell you when to work. Oh, as soon as you do that, you're not a contractor anymore. Uh, um, you can't tell a contractor when to work. You can't tell them they can't take time. All that's as soon as you start violating those things, they're an employee and the companies that do abuse it. If, if they're put in their place, I think, I think a lot of the contract law problems would be, would be, uh, minimized. Yep. So this, this is definitely going to be interesting. There are, there are other States that are probably foaming at the mouth to see how this goes <laughs> um, that have been waiting for California to be the litmus test on what's going on um, before they try their own thing. Cause obviously, you know, court time and, and rewrites and a ballot measure and all that stuff. None of that's inexpensive. Um, so I think the other States are waiting to see how California goes before they, they attempt anything because if things don't go right and, uh, you know, Uber, Lyft, even, you know, some of the, the other ones, Instacart, you know, things like that. If they pull out of California altogether, if, if Prop 22 doesn't pass, I mean, it could be, it would definitely be a, a, a full stop for some other states that might be considering it. So, uh this yeah. could, this could turn into a Google News in Spain kind of a a situation, or it could be for those of you who have been very long time listeners because I think that was 2012. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but we've it's it's impressive that a story that old continues to be relevant because that I think that was one of the first times that a big tech company really took a stand and said, no, this is not good for anybody. We're out uh, in, in the modern big tech companies. So anyway, um, it, it could get interesting. Um, we will know pretty soon because what today's the 16th. So the, the 20th is Thursday. So, so we'll know what the next couple of months will look like in California real soon. Um, and then after November, we'll know, what the permanent atmosphere is out there. And I have guesses, but I have no idea. I have guesses based yeah. on the past, but I don't know. <laughs> California can be unpredictable. So, yep. You know, we will, uh, we will definitely have to wait and see on that. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is uh, proudly powered by PureVPN. 
the best way to protect your privacy online is with Pure VPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices, so you can use it just about anywhere you are. And uh, right now, you can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right, so we talked earlier about your current off-time project. (laughs) So uh, what have we got going on uh, at Tom's Hardware right now? So this this is a big week for... Intel announcements and NVIDIA rumors. Intel held what they call the Architecture Day uh, early in the week, and we were able to report on it on Thursday. And Intel released a lot of detail about a couple of things. They released a lot of detail about their upcoming Intel XE graphics, and they released some details about some of their upcoming CPUs as well. So. Intel Xe Graphics, first of all, take a step back. What's that? Intel has been known for many years to have the worst integrated graphics. In fact, let's put it, let's put it more succinctly, the worst graphics, right? AMD had on their chips when they have integrated graphics is much faster. And everybody knows that Intel integrated graphics, the, the GPU that is built into your CPU. Uh, is nothing uh, in comparison to an NVIDIA card or an AMD card. Intel has not really played in the discrete graphics space, but no longer. The company has said a while ago that it's going to come out with its own discrete graphics, and it's going to actually have a new line of graphics cards and graphics processors called Intel XE Graphics. We saw somewhat of a demo of it, um, and at CES where they were talking to us about some, some stuff, uh, that was going on with it. But, uh, now we have some more information. So first of all, Intel claims that the next ver- uh, the next CPU that's coming out, Tiger Lake, it's called, which will probably be Intel. 11th gen core they haven't said that will probably come out shortly they haven't said exactly but i think it's almost certainly coming out in september and it will have the graphics on it will be intel's xe lp graphics so it's integrated graphics they claim will have double the speed of the 10th gen graphics that are out right now so perhaps actually good enough to play real games but you know it's still integrated graphics so you know maybe we shouldn't get too excited but then there's intel xe hpg right so they have intel xe and then a bunch of different letters intel xe lp is the integrated graphics intel xe hpg is high performance gaming and that will not be out for a while but from what we have read it uh and learned it sounds like there is a decent possibility that the intel xe hpg will be as good as or better than some of nvidia's high-end stuff today 
it will be as good as or better than probably than an RTX 2080. Perhaps at some point in its life cycle, it may even be better than a 2080 Ti, which is the current top of the line. So Intel is doing a lot to add more compute units. It's doing a lot to add more processing power to the XE graphics so that it can actually be a serious player in the graphics space. Meanwhile, it also has versions of Intel XE graphics going into the data center, into places where, you know, hot, where behind the scenes graphics are needed at really, really high speeds. But also Intel is doing some things on the CPU front. So Intel is getting into uh, something that we've heard about on ARM chips for a while, on the chips that are on your phones, called Big Little. Scott, do you know what Big Little is? Um, maybe. It would depend on the, the context. So Intel doesn't call it Big Little. I think only Qualcomm calls it Big Little. But it's some of your cores are faster than others. So instead yeah, of having it. a CPU where you have eight cores and they're all equally, they're all the same, some of these cores, maybe it's not an even number, half and half, some of these cores are faster than others and some are slower. Now, why would you want the slower cores? That sounds kind of kind of lame. The reason is the slower cores use less power. So you can give more power to the high performance cores. So if you have something really simple like a video playing on YouTube, maybe that's going on the little core, the low performance core, where your game or your thing that you're video crunching or whatever thing that you're doing that's really eating up CPU cycles, maybe that is going on one of the higher performance cores. I so, remember right I remember Intel talking about that concept uh, when netbooks were popular. Like there was one core that was that was different than the rest on the netbooks so that it would use less power, uh, the battery would last longer, stuff like that. It's the same general concept, yeah. right? Yes. Okay. So now Intel is talking about in 2021 bringing that in what it calls the Older Lake S processors to desktops, to desktop computers. Right now, Intel has fooled around with it a little bit on its Lakefield chips, which, which we've seen, uh, which we've seen actually on a Samsung uh, notebook just recently. But for the desktop, where power consumption isn't as big of a deal, I mean, you're not worried about running out of battery if you're plugged into the wall. It's an interesting concept that hasn't been tried yet, and I think the reasoning is if you're going to give lower priority tasks to cores that use less power, you could then take the same power budget and give more power and higher clock speeds to the other cores that need it. So it's an interesting concept and Intel is going to be introducing that in desktops in 2021 in something called Alder Lake S. Now, when these things come out, by the way, for, for those listening who aren't familiar with how Intel processor naming works. Those are the code names. And the code names are the, the names that you probably want to talk about because those are the most distinctive. But they'll probably have be marketed as Intel 11th generation core 
who knows, maybe by then they'll be marketed as Intel 12th generation core. But the, the actual name of the architecture that's being used is going to be Alder Lake S. Finally, I want to talk just real quick about NVIDIA. So we got a massive leak this week because Micron, which apparently makes the GDDR6X memory for, for NVIDIA, put something up on its website that it shouldn't have, and people found out that the NVIDIA, the upcoming NVIDIA high-end card, which we now believe will be called the RTX 3090, will have this high-performance memory that could deliver up to 21 gigabytes a second in, in performance, which is like unbelievable speeds. So if that's, if that's the case, you're, you're talking about a card that with perhaps some of its other improvements could be twice as fast as the fastest NVIDIA RTX card today, the RTX 2080 Ti. Wow, that twice as fast. I mean, we won't know till we benchmark it. We say it could be twice as fast, and that's then the twenty eighty Ti. I mean, there actually is a more high, more expensive card called the Titan RTX, mm. and we don't know if it'll be twice as fast as that. But it's going to be obviously the fastest graphics card ever made, at least for the consumer market and for gaming. Uh, that that seems pretty certain. Now, whether it's going to be worth the money that you're going to have to spend for that performance is anybody's guess. We have no idea what it's going to cost yet, uh, but our graphics card editor, Jared Walton, believes that it's going to be well over $1,000. Uh, he thinks it could even be as high as $2,000. I, I don't know about that. Again, that is absolutely pure speculation. So... We really don't know, uh, but we had a talk about this on a special edition of the Tom's Hardware Show on Friday, and we had uh, listeners come on, and one person said, as long as it's $2,000 or less, I'll buy it. So <laughs> it's good to know that, um, even if that even if the highest possible price is, is true, somebody's got the money for it. Yeah, they've got, they've got one guaranteed user. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money for a graphics card. But on yeah. the other hand, uh, on the other hand, we really don't know what they're going to charge. My guess is it'll probably more, be more in line with what the 2080 Ti cost at launch, which was, I believe, $1,200. Anyway, that was a lot of money back then, two years ago. It's a lot of money now, particularly in a global recession. But people spend $5,000 sometimes on gaming desktops. So... If you're spending $5,000 on a gaming desktop, I guess what's $1,200 for what's arguably the most important component. So true enough. If you're gaming, your graphics card is the most important component. So, so yeah, I, I can see, I can pe see people spending a lot of money on it. Anyway, uh, we don't know for sure when the new NVIDIA RTX cards, which are codenamed Ampere are going to launch, but we will, we strongly believe that it'll be, It'll probably be in the September time frame uh, because uh, NVIDIA CEO Jensen Wong is supposed to be giving a keynote at Gamescom 
mm. on September 1st. So that would be a good time for, for such an announcement. We've also seen recently that NVIDIA has been, uh, the amount of stock for RTX 2080 cards and other some other NVIDIA cards has been low. It's been hard to get to buy them. So that really suggests that the company is getting rid of old stock because it's coming out with new stuff very soon. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty common behavior. We see that across the industry when a, when a, a flagship's inventory level starts to dip, it usually means that a new flagship is, is right behind. I mean, look at Microsoft and the Xbox right now. So that, that makes sense. It, it doesn't sound like we're going to have that long to wait though. No, definitely not. So it sounds like buckle in. We're going to have some really interesting announcements uh, coming this fall, really interesting new products coming this fall. Very cool. And uh, you've got information on uh, all the stuff you know so far? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. If you go to tomshardware.com, we've got uh, articles on Intel Architecture Day, um, all the individual announcements from Intel Architecture Day, and on everything we know right now about the G RTX, the NVIDIA RTX 3090. Very cool. Well, it sounds like sounds like the graphics card space is is uh, going to be real exciting and real hot over the next couple of months. Excited to excited to see that because sometimes it it feels a little stagnant there. So it doesn't. That's not going to be the case the end of this year. So that's real cool. Uh, as always, Avram, uh, I appreciate the information on stuff that I'm just not able to keep on top of, and uh, I look forward to what we talk about next. Yep. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is probably powered by Razer. Get all the accessories you need to up your game on your PC, console, or mobile device from Razer. Whether you're looking for a gaming mouse and keyboard like we use here in the studio, uh, accessories to, uh, to up your experience on Twitch, or an entire gaming setup like the Razer Blade 15, you can find it all at Razer. And uh, also, and uh, Project X Cloud certified controller for your phone, and you can get all of that by going to f5live.tv/razor. Definitely ran the wrong graphic at the end of <laughs> Pilch Point Live. If you're watching live, that was on accident. Anyway, so uh, to continue our strange legal topic show this week. <laughs> This week went weird on me. Um, we talked uh, last week, and in fairness, a lot over the last couple of years about um, the restrictions on the app stores and uh, what it has meant for and against the developers and the user experience. We know that uh, Google Stadia, uh, Project xCloud uh, aren't coming to uh, iOS because Apple doesn't have full control over what they do. Um, and this week, possibly the most vocal <laughs> of, of the opponents of the app stores, Epic Games, set themselves up to be able to sue. Now, 
Now, let's talk about what happened. Uh, they, there's there's a rule in both stores that says that if, um, uh, well, on Apple it's always. On Google it's if you uh, deploy through uh, Google Play uh, and you have in-app purchases that are usable in the app. I'll explain what that means in a second. Uh, the purchases have to be made uh, through the App Store. So in the case of Fortnite, which is the app that is uh, in question here, uh, the V-Bucks, which are um, the in-game currency to purchase skins and things like that, uh, they are uh, in-app purchases that are usable in the app, and therefore the purchases have to be made uh, through the App Store API. Google and Apple both take a 30% cut, and a lot of companies don't like that. Now, there are apps. I, I know the one you're thinking of right away. There are apps in the store uh, that do not uh, process payments through the App Store. Amazon's a great example, and that is because the curtains that you purchase through the Amazon app can't be used in the Amazon app. They're used in your living room, and so uh, that, that rule does not apply. Um, but, uh, Epic decided to try and play on the line and, uh, they said that the V bucks are not guaranteed to be used in the app because they can be used on Xbox. They can be used on PlayStation. They can be used on PC. So just because they're being purchased on a mobile device does not mean they will be used on a mobile device. And so they added direct purchases into the app. And as a little bit of a knife in the side of Google and Apple, they offered a 20% discount if you purchased that way. Obviously, neither company was happy. Apple, uh, Apple swung first and removed Fortnite from the App Store uh, within about two and a half hours. If I remember correctly on the timeline, uh, Fortnite was pulled from iOS. Gone. Uh, and they released an interesting statement, um, basically reiterating their policies. And uh, so Epic filed suit against Apple. Obviously, this move was intended uh, to allow them to file this suit. It is a um, it's an anti-competitive suit, and uh, was obviously drafted before the move was made. There's no way that they weren't 100% prepared for this. They knew what they were getting into. So they file suit. They make this big deal. They even release... Oh, it's my favorite thing in the world, Abram. They released an altered version of Apple's 1984 ad rendered in-game with entirely Fortnite characters, uh, basically saying that Apple had replaced IBM as the big bad wolf. <laughs> and... <laughs> oh my god, I loved it. Um, after that video came out, Google pulled the app from Google Play, and uh, the same lawsuit was filed against Google, and that's where we are right now. It's an interesting but place. can't you... It's an interesting place to be. <laughs> but can't you... Uh, wasn't Fortnite uh, originally brought to Android as a sideload? Yes. And you can still so, do it. You've always been able to do it. They never took that ability away. So Android users can continue to get updated versions of the app to their devices. 
uh, iOS, if you already have it on your device, they are not removing it remotely, uh, which we learned a number of years ago that they have the power to do. Um, they are not removing it remotely, uh, but you will never get an update. If you have it through Google Play, they are not removing it remotely, but you will never get an update until this is resolved one way or another. I'm going to say Epic's not backing down. <laughs> I think yeah, their ultimate so... goal is to have a mobile version of the Epic Game Store available on iOS and Android. That's well, that's they, pure speculation, they... but based on their their heavy-handedness here and their past uh, dislike of what's going on, that's my guess of what's happening. So why? what I don't understand is why did Epic go into the Google Play Store in the first place? Because they didn't have to be there. On Apple, they have to. There's no sideloading on, on iOS devices. Um, when they went... When they went and made the decision on Android, it had a lot. It had a lot to do with uh, ease of use. Um, there's a lot of people who either couldn't figure it out or uh, didn't want to figure it out. You know, even you and I pointed out the security risks of of turning on the feature that would allow for you to to sideload. Um, you know that that now there's an ability to sideload and other stuff can come in that way too, if you're not paying attention. So, you know, there were, there were other concerns and I think, I think a lot of that move had more to of offering it for sideload on Android had more to do with proving that people wanted to be able to get stuff, not through Google play. I think they were building stats in preparation for this lawsuit. That's my guess. I think this has been their end game the whole time. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think they obviously were planning to do this. They know what they're doing. However, they bring up a very good point, which is that uh, just like that old Star Trek episode, Google and Apple want a piece of the action. Mm -hmm. They want to have their cut for for doing very little, for providing this, for for allowing you to distribute your thing through their directory. Mm -hmm. Now they make a lot of money through this, but it's really quite an unfair system because they're taking money out of the developer's pocket for, you know, basically providing a listing for it. Mm -hmm. Now, or in this case, providing case Google, providing a service, a feature that the developers don't want. <laughs> Cause in this case, right. it's, it's about, uh, in-app purchases, the developers don't want to to have the users pay through the app store through Google Play. They want direct. It's less expensive. <laughs> so they're getting charged 30% right. right. for a they're feature they don't want. <laughs> right. They're taking the cut. And without these apps, these platforms don't have value. Yeah. Ask so Microsoft. People would not buy. Right. People would not buy an iPhone if they couldn't play their favorite games on it. Or, you know, for some people, if they couldn't get their favorite apps. Right. People would not buy a an Android phone if they couldn't get their favorite apps on it. Mm -hmm. So this is obviously advantage Android, even though Google is not helping. But it's advantage Android because you can sideload. Mm -hmm. And funny thing, Epic actually... Uh, made my discussion with my eight-year-old real because he well he doesn't play fortnite but 
we were talking the other day and he was saying something to me about why don't we own any iOS devices? Mm -hmm. We do not own any iOS devices in my house. And I was explaining to him how I don't like the walled garden of Apple and how they don't let you sideload. And he's like, well, what would you want to sideload? What would you? I was like, oh, some games. And, and he was like, oh, what? And now I said, and it's super theoretical. Fortnite. And it's with an eight-year-old, it's real hard to express a theoretical concept like that. But now right, you can say to be fair, Fortnite. <laughs> There's a hard fair, evidence. Before this, before this, what were the things that you would want to sideload that you couldn't get, that you would want to use that you had to sideload? True. Can't name anything, True. right? True. I, I can't. Only if it's somebody gave you something like, oh, I have a program that I just want to give to you, Scott, or like at my job, we have right. a battery test app, right? And so it, that's a huge convenience to be able to sideload stuff versus when you have something that can only go through a store and then you have to get approval for something or use some kind of really complicated rigmarole and, and the, pay for it. I would say the unbelievable, the unbelievable amount of trouble that I have had to go through to make sure... That, that the Tom's Guide battery test can show up when a new device is available. It's because right. at this point, I'm right. the one who's managing that, that private listing. The, and it is such a pain to make sure that the team the whole, can access the whole app it. Store, the whole App Store concept is such a pain in the butt for developers. Mm -hmm. I mean, on the one hand, it's it's good if you're really going for a mass market of people and you want obviously you you want to show up there you want people to find you so that's good but if you're just trying to make something to give to a few people and you have a platform that's closed like apple's is or like some other things for example chrome browser mm -hmm. you want to make a chrome extension right i made a chrome i made a chrome extension chrome extensions for some of my coworkers tried putting them in in the store Everything was good for a few years, and then Google just came along and was like, "Oh, we have to review these very, very, uh, very carefully." But wait a second, only these are only for twenty people to use. Uh, why do you keep rejecting them? Why are you paying somebody to look at this? So, like, well, that's an interesting point. Really big... I hadn't even considered why are you paying somebody to look at this <laughs> when it's for twenty I mean, people? They're wasting. And and it's free, so they're not earning. They're not getting. There's yeah. no chance of them getting any money from it, wow. right? So there's no chance of them because these the the one good thing that these companies do. Maybe someday they'll change their mind. Is that they don't charge you money to distribute a free app. So if you don't mm -hmm. want, if you just want to make something that's freeware, then you don't have to pay anything, and they don't take a cut because it's a cut of nothing. So if you want to make free stuff. They get their thirty percent. Not not a problem, but they will still scrutinize it like crazy. The, the Microsoft Store for for Windows is the same thing. I had a a battery test that we wanted to in, in, install on computers around Windows 10s. Windows 10s yep. can only use download apps from the Windows Store, so I made so I had to put it to the Windows Store. I had to put in the description: this is just for us to use in our office, and it won't work outside the office. It got approved, and then a day later, somebody looked at it after it was live and sent me a note and said, this crashed when we tried it, so we're taking it down. 
Yeah, it said it only worked when it connects to the server in our office. So anyway, they paid someone to do to to waste their Uh time on that. But and to make my life more more difficult. So anyway, I can't blame Epic. This is very annoying. And I'm glad that somebody's taking up the mantle. Yeah, exactly. I never would have expected it to be Epic. Nobody was really willing to take that chance. Nobody was willing to annoy Google or Apple. Uh, in particular, no one wanted to annoy Apple, I guess. Right. And now they're willing to do it. So but for, Fortnite's not so going anywhere. That. We know that. Fortnite's not going anywhere. It won't harm Fortnite as a brand. <laughs> and well, uh, that's the thing. And they, they can they're powerful use, enough to do it. Yeah, they can use their, their might to point at what Apple and Google are doing and say... This isn't right. They're powerful enough to do it. Yeah. It's like Netflix and net neutrality, right? Mm-hmm. Netflix is powerful enough is powerful enough to to champion net neutrality because people really want Netflix. Mm-hmm. And Netflix has money and and people are are going to get want their Netflix no matter what. Whereas if I put up a website or an app or something and I wanted to do it and I have, you know, 100 people using it, uh-huh. Yeah. I can't I can't afford to lose to lose the money. So the tons know, good, of good money Epic. to uh to file and and f- pull this law th- lawsuit all the way through because you know at some point it's a it's an antitrust case. At at some point this could yeah. literally this could literally bounce its way all the way up to the Supreme Court if it has to. So you and I could yeah, never no. take a case that far. Yes. Now I could see Google getting out of this because they have side loading. So if so, they have a there's a better argument on Google's behalf that they're not abusing their monopoly power mm-hmm. because hey, look, we're separating our store from the platform. If you want, we're just saying that if it's going through our store, we have control. Mm-hmm. But Apple, on the other hand, doesn't allow you to side load. So right, you know, I think the obvious remedy for this, which Apple wouldn't does really not want would be to allow side loading of apps on on ios yeah without a developer account yeah because it we, we we say this a lot but in fairness there are ways to to install even without having to hook it up to a development machine there are ways to install an app directly to your device from a store but you have to have a developer account. Your device has to be registered with a with a company who's paying for uh, a whole rigmarole on how uh, things like App Center and Hockey App work. But uh, but yeah, there's no direct way that well I, I can because I've got several. But there's no direct way that you Avram could just sideload an yeah. app. Uh, and even me, I you know you have to. You have to know the people and you have to get on their account. It's, you know, it's a, it's a thing. Right. It doesn't work for, it doesn't work. It doesn't scale. If you want to give it to five people, you could do it. Right. But it doesn't scale for thousands of people. Right. But then, you know, on Android, you can sideload. There are secondary app stores because there's a Galaxy store, right? There, you know, there are other deployment methods. Amazon store. Yep. There are other deployment methods that don't use the Google Play services, yeah. which in reality, it's 
when you when your app uses the Google Play services, it registers with Google Play, and that's when the rule actually uh, kicks in. Uh, but if you're deploying through the other stores, you're probably not using the Google Play services anyway. So it's generally not a problem. But you know, and, yeah, Android has has some leniency uh, in this, but Apple's got none. So this, we said this when Epic launched Fortnite as a sideload. We said, this is going to be interesting to watch because this is just the beginning. And boy, were we right because it was just the beginning. And uh, we're still, I'd say we're still in the first 25% of this fight. So we will be keeping you guys up to date on this because, you know, this could change the way uh, Google Stadia, uh, Project xCloud, or... Game Pass streaming or whatever they end up calling it, um, uh, Facebook gaming, all of that. It could change how all of that works uh, if this is ruled on in the developer's favor. So we are all looking at this closely. This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is probably powered by Riff Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities. It's like watching a movie with your funniest friends. And to find all of the full-length features, the short films, and the live events that are coming up, you can go to f5live.tv slash rifftracks with an X. All right. So this one's not a lawsuit topic. Hooray. Uh, but it's not a great uh, situation. So we know that in decades past, the browser wars were a big part of, of software development. It seemed like every company uh, wanted to have their own browser. And to this day, I don't know why. Um, and a lot of those software companies discovered that giving away a thing for free was not a great way to generate revenue. Now, Today, there are pretty much three major players outside of Apple uh, that are left, and that is Google, Microsoft, and Mozilla. Uh, Google and Microsoft uh, don't necessarily care about direct revenue generation through their browser because they're big companies, but Mozilla, the browser has kind of been their primary focus for a long time, and so they've got, you know, they've got some some revenue channels through the browser. Uh, they... They uh, charge for default search engines in certain markets and things like that. And they have done pretty well. Several hundred million dollars in 2018, which is the last uh, number I saw. You know, they they generate some, some pretty decent revenue. Uh, but in the last year or so, development of the browser has slowed down. Um, usage of the browser has slowed down as a result. Um, and the company has put an emphasis on finding some uh, extra revenue sources. So they've been developing subscription services, like their VPN service, which is uh, out in the wild. Uh, and they've got some other things in the works, but it turns out uh, they were not prepared for exactly what it takes to build a new product from scratch. And these products have taken longer uh, to develop, longer to get from zero to generating revenue, and as such, uh, between a shrinking browser, 
market share. Some uh, search engine contracts expiring in November and uh, not getting these subscription services out in the wild as fast as they thought. Their revenue is down significantly. And the end result, as anybody who could have predicted when they hear that revenue is down significantly, along with it comes layoffs. We saw some in January. Uh, there were 70 laid off uh, in January. But this one, this one's going to hurt. 250 employees are being laid off from the Mozilla Corporation, which represents a quarter of their global workforce. They are shutting down an entire development uh, office, uh, I think in Taiwan, and uh, uh, trimming in all of their other offices. It's, it's not a great sign for an organization who... Even its its biggest supporters have said in recent months that something is going wrong because the browser isn't getting updated and the things that have been promised haven't happened. And now with a smaller workforce, that's not better. Yeah, they got a they got a problem. They got a really big problem. But I think they've had a problem for a while. It's amazing that they've done as well as they have because the market share of Mozilla is so of. Firefox is so bad. Mm -hmm. I was just looking at one uh, one site, Net Market Share, mm -hmm. says that their current market share over the last several years or whatever, last year, seven point eight percent of the of the desktop browser market. Forgetting mobile, where they're like nothing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can get a mobile Firefox, I think, but nobody uses it. Uh, that that puts them behind Chrome, which is 68.8% and slightly ahead of Edge. Although I think Edge could very well pull ahead because a lot of people like the new Edge that's based on Chromium. Yeah. Uh, then followed by Internet Explorer. Yes, I guess people are still using that. And Safari. So so if you combine, yeah, if I, you combine the Microsoft browsers because the user agents now add up to at least three. Uh, I think I think Microsoft accounts for number two. Yeah. Between, yeah. If you combine Internet Explorer and Edge, and maybe both edges. Yeah. The Edge, old, Edge, old Edge, and New Edge. New Edge is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people will really like New Edge. Um, I've seen a lot of arguments to switch from Chrome to New Edge. So I, I notice uh, on this computer that my battery life is higher when it's my primary yeah, browser. New Edge is supposed to, is supposed to be a lot better. I, I like New Edge. I'm still primarily using Chrome, though, because that's where all my extensions are and what I'm used to. And I like I, I'm used to it and I, I've grown to like it. But what's really interesting about Chrome is it really shows the power of I would say it shows the power of making a better mousetrap, although it's hard to say whether at this point it's because it's better or because it's it's just it has so much momentum. But how old is Chrome now? Ten years? Yeah, something, something like that. that. I, I I remember when Chrome first came out, and I said, "There's no way that this that anyone's going to use this." Yep. Another great production. I yeah. <laughs> uh, and the reason I said it is not because it wasn't good; uh, it was because look people tend to use what comes preloaded on their computer mm -hmm. and internet explorer came preloaded on windows machines so 
who's going to, so it's really hard to get people to go out of their way to download something Yep. and, when, and install es- it. Over especially, especially when you take into consideration, Microsoft did a, uh, a data study and they discovered that less than 2% of office users change any settings. Right. It's the, so it's the exact, although, it's the exact same kind of thing. Right. It's what's already there. I'm just going to use it as it is. The browser's already there. Right. I'm just going to yeah. use it as it is. Right. Which so was the, the gist of the, I'm, which was the gist of the, the late nineties, early two thousands antitrust against Microsoft was the fear that people right. wouldn't install a secondary browser. And boy, did that not turn out to be the case. Right. I'm still shocked. I know. I lived through all that stuff and I'm still shocked that that Google is dominating in the browser space when it's not preloaded because they because so many people are not tech savvy. They just go with whatever's on the computer. And so what this proves is, wow, actually, there are people who are more tech savvy than we thought. Mm -hmm. They they realize that this is better than what comes for free and they're downloading it. So, so good for them. And that's on desktop. On mobile, of course, Chrome comes preloaded as your main browser on Android phones. Mm-hmm. And people who are on iOS, I think, tend to use Safari. Although you can get Chrome for it, but it's still using Safari Engine. Yeah. Safari still doing be- Is Chrome doing better than Safari on, on, on iOS now also? I know a lot of people that the first thing they do with an iPhone or an iPad is download Chrome or today the new Edge. Because if you're already in that ecosystem, the syncing works. That I mean, that's true too, right? Because what Google is providing you is they're providing you, there's so many Google services that you get the benefit of mm-hmm. by synchronizing with it. Mm-hmm. People have Google accounts. They have Gmail. Yep. Mozilla doesn't have that ecosystem right. to give people. Yeah, I know you can get a Mozilla account. I know you can synchronize to that. But, but I don't think a lot of people but do. But that's, you know, that's not the same thing as having... A Google account that's got email and YouTube and you know Google right. Meet it's, and Hangouts and in the past Google Plus and you know all these things attached to it or Microsoft right. or Microsoft that's got you know right. that's got Skype and you know all these other you know Outlook and all these other things your Office suite all those things attached to it with Firefox that's eh, what it is <laughs> ah you know here I have an idea this is a bad idea but I'm going to throw it out there because I think somebody might do it. Somebody will buy will buy Mozilla and use it to push services. Mm-hmm. That somebody will not be Microsoft. Nope, because they don't need it. But because they don't need it. it and it won't be Google because they don't need it. And it won't be Apple because they don't need it. Facebook? That could be. Facebook? Yeah. Because, you know, when you think about it, uh, Mozilla, in theory has been in multiple hands over the years, you know, because Netscape Navigator was so low. At some point, it was owned by AOL. It was spun off to the Mozilla Foundation. You know, it's yeah. it's been in multiple hands over the years as it is. Yeah. Um, and its, its largest usage period was when it was owned by AOL uh, and not because it was built into the AOL experience because weirdly it wasn't. Um, but that was, you know, that that age is when when the Netscape browser had its its biggest heyday. Um, and I, interestingly, everybody thought that uh, Microsoft could never make a go at a browser. 
and uh, they might have been right. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Netscape come back. I want to see them. I want to see them relaunch it as Netscape, and I want them to take the old Netscape logo with the flying stars, and I gotta have my Netscape back and the swirly N. Yeah, as the well, loading that, screen. Uh, that was like, I think the swirly N was before. Uh, I, the one where it actually showed you the end and then there was like stars coming down from this or comets, uh-huh. whatever, coming down from and, the sky. And and there was like a ring around the end, like a, a Saturn style ring that would like uh, loop around as the loading screen. Which, by the way, if you're not a developer and you're thinking about it, the worst thing you can possibly do is use your logo to indicate loading times because people associate your brand with slow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a bad idea. Uh, so many companies do it and it is always wrong. Um, use a generic loading anyway. Um, but yeah, with all the nostalgia stuff going on in tech right now, how Mozilla doesn't have a skin for Netscape Navigator is beyond me. They should definitely yeah. have an option to skin maybe it as somebody, Netscape Navigator. Maybe somebody does and we don't know it and we don't know it. You yet. can, it's, uh, the, the, the foundation is, uh, open source. So you could build whatever you wanted on top of it. So yeah, there's but gotta be a Netscape. Linux now. It used to be when I would, when I would install build of Linux, I would often find that Firefox was the default browser because Firefox, I think was open source. Mozilla was considered to be less corporate. So companies like Ubuntu or like canonical, I think felt more, com- I don't know if there was any money changing hands in this, but I think it was usually the case that, Hey, Firefox is the browser for Linux because it's more open source than Chrome. Although yeah. Chrome has Chromium. It was, it but was, now it was open. Chromium. It was open source by default. It had ad blockers. There were all kinds of Linux people type things. You know, they were the first browser to turn, uh, do not track on by default, uh, and got sued for it. Uh, by Yahoo. Um, uh, but yeah, there were a lot of Linux people type things. <laughs> but now, but now a lot of Linux flavors, it seems like either they have both or, or they just have Chromium, Yep. which is Chromium is the open source version of Chrome. It's the, it's uh, the or they have Chrome. Yeah, it, it could be both. Uh, but yeah, the cr- Chromium is the, the, base like the open android project yeah. version versus android where android's got all the google services built in chrome's got all the google services but chromium doesn't for those trying yeah. to figure out the difference yeah. <laughs> between the weird names and you can tell chromium versus chrome because the chromium is all grays and sad looking the logo <laughs> yeah the co- the, co- the icon is blue i think like shades of blue as opposed to like uh, yellow color pop green. yeah the the google colors the the big color pop it's it's all like monochrome which is funny but anyway but for example raspberry pi comes with chromium not mm-hmm. not firefox okay interesting well i there there's a possibility that so the thing they're up against right there's a possibility that they could get some of these services out there and start generating some revenue. But I think it's the services and things that have started getting the Linux community, for example, to start thinking, Oh, they're going the other way. And if they're going the other way, well, we might as well just lean into it because Chrome's a better browser. 
<laughs> right. That's the thing, right? Like if they're they're seen as corporate, then and not like open source friendly, then they're not going to get as much support from the Linux community. Now, yeah. I don't know how much that's actually meant to them in terms of share, because I don't know how much it, it matters to them versus trying to get more people who are on Windows to download it. But Yeah, but in my experience, it's the Linux people and the Linux or, or past Linux people or the people who think in those terms that have been the biggest Firefox supporters. I have one example in my head that's an exception to that rule. Other than that, it's the the super like open source anti anti ad anti yeah. you know and so yeah by by sliding more that direction, I think they're alienating instead of instead of uh, embracing. So the, the this could be the beginning of a transition of the Mozilla Corporation or the Mozilla Foundation into somebody else's hands, um, like you said where they can build services into it and actually generate revenue. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see, but laying off a quarter of your, of your staff all at once, not a good sign. This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is probably powered by Amazon Prime. You know you get your free shipping on millions of products, but that isn't all you get. In fact, some of these other features may be your new favorites. For example, free music with Amazon Prime Music. Free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video. You can get free games and a free subscription on Twitch with the newly named Amazon Gaming and a whole lot more. And to learn more, to get a 30-day free trial, to get easy access to all these features, uh, you can go to f5live.tv slash prime. That's gonna take me a little while to get used to that new name. <laughs> um, anyway, so back to lawsuits because apparently that's our, our thing this week. Um, this one's a little weird. Uh, the a small town in Texas named New Boston has filed a class action suit against Netflix and Hulu for uh, violating uh, the, oh, what's it called? I don't remember what it's called. doesn't matter. Um, the uh, It's a television transmission uh, regulation in the state. So basically, uh, if you're a television station... Uh, in Texas, you have to get, whether it be broadcast or cable, you have to get permission uh, from the, the Texas Utility Commission, Public Utility Commission of Texas. I knew it was something like that, uh, to operate in the state. Makes sense. Uh, especially if you're not broadcasting from there, you're relaying into there. Um, it seems to have something to do with the relaying that that uh, makes you have to uh, fall under this category. And so they are trying to say that because Netflix and Hulu uh, check for uh, a server and then connect to that server, that they are bound by this same transmission law and they want 5% of uh, all the revenue. 
which is a lot of money. Um, but wait, five percent of all the revenue in their town, or five percent of all the revenue Netflix makes everywhere? Good question. Um, the The demands are not particularly specific, but um, as it's a class action suit uh, filed by this particular town uh, over a Texas state law, um, it's likely to be 5% of revenue generated via Texas. Um, and the, the revenue, the, the money would be distributed across um, the class, which would be Texans. Wait, so people who live there or the government? Fair question. Um, as it's a, because I mean, as it's a Texas law, it would probably go. To, the class would probably be um, the whatever, whatever authorities within the Texas government uh, uh, would normally collect these fees. Yes. So this is really lame. <laughs> the it's a complete misunderstanding I mean, of how the internet works, because. For me, oh, it's not a misunderstanding. It's an it's a blatant attempt well, to find yeah. a judge who thinks that there's a who can misunderstand it, so that somebody can get their can get some payola. Yeah, that's true. But as soon as as soon as this is, uh, if if Texas were to win this, if this class were to win this, which they wouldn't, but let's say that they did, in the unlikely event that they did. As soon as it's appealed, it's no longer appealed within a state court. It would be overturned immediately. <laughs> there's there's a 0% chance that it stands outside of Texas. A federal court would look at it I and mean, go, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Get out of my courtroom. Y- yes. I mean, in effect, what it is, is it's a tax. It's a tax on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. And... If this, I guess, if a state wants to issue a streaming tax on any on services, then I guess they can. But it, it ought to be fairly applied. Like, then I guess anybody who serves serves streaming into Texas, which is a lot of different services, will now have to collect an extra five percent and. And it will raise the cost of Netflix five percent for people in Texas to go to their government. But that would, but the the, not go over very well. The the thing that is interesting is that it's all about the relay. It's all about checking what server, um, which is how the internet works, right? Because uh, a lot of a lot of us have servers in multiple places. And you connect to a thing. It says, oh, look at that. The, the data center in Houston is our closest one. And I use that because it tends to be. <laughs> Twitch, Mixer, everybody kind of has a data center in Houston. And so, you know, you connect to that. Or you connect to D.C. or New York or L.A. or, you know, wherever, based on where you are. That, that's how a lot of the Internet works. Even if you're just on Facebook, Facebook's got data centers everywhere. Is is Facebook going to have to give up 5% of all their revenue in in Texas because uh, 
because you and I share videos there. It it seems like it seems like a thing that if they were to say this is the way it works and the courts were to back them up, which they wouldn't, but in that unlikely event, it's an environment that just could not be maintained. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, how long has this internet thing been around again? <laughs> this new internet thing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, my favorite the web part. Has been around for since 1994, right? 26 years. Forgetting the internet was around since the 60s, but right. the, the the actual World Wide Web, I think, was 1994, right? I think so. So 26 26 years they've had to figure out that. It's the cloud. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter where and it, the server is. And it took until Thursday for them to figure it out. <laughs> but they know this. I know. Look, it's it's the same principle as, was it British Telecom or somebody else who was suing over the idea of links a few years ago? Or, and they wanted to shake everybody who ever used a hyperlink down? Or the company uh, that bought the patent from Yahoo that kind of described podcasting and they went after uh, Adam Carolla. Right. I mean, it's, it's a shakedown. Yeah. And this is a shakedown. Now it's very unfortunate that, that, that they get to get away with this kind of a shakedown because it's, someone's going to be making money on this mm-hmm. and it's going to be some lawyers. Yeah. You know? Which is so always how Netflix, it works. I can't feel I can't feel too sorry for Netflix. I mean, they've got a lot of money, I guess. But if they have to give up one umbrella from the Umbrella Academy to pay to defend this, what a waste. Sorry, I don't know what just happened. Uh, yeah. I, it's it's weird. I the, the whole thing is weird. It's why, it's why I had to cover this this week. Because it's... It's just such a strange story. Honestly, this this could have been a, a great 420 story for us in the years past when we used to do those episodes where we just cover weird topics like the Flaming Squirrel. Um, it's it's just so bizarre, and it seems like it seems like it does it couldn't possibly go anywhere, and it seems like the residents of the town who are going to pay the legal bills on this one way or another are uh, have their own lawsuit to be able to file against the town for being stupid. But that's a whole different issue. Uh, 4,000, according to Wikipedia, which is never wrong, new Boston, Texas has like 4,600 residents. Okay. All right. So, uh, the, the, the same number of people that lived on your old block in, uh, in New York. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Probably, probably my building. <laughs> I lived in Manhattan. It's it's just all so strange, and I don't. I, I'm never quite sure what motivates somebody to file something so goofy outside of either sheer stupidity or a weird greed that they think they're going to succeed on, and neither one of them are right. So you know, whatever. I don't know. It's strange. I'm going to keep an eye on it, though I think we all know where it's headed. And that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate our live uh, listeners. 
Uh, if you didn't join us live and would like to in the future, Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us and chat with us in the studio. Or, of course, you can find us on our live streaming platforms. Uh, uh, the best are Periscope, Mixer, and uh, nope, not Mixer, Periscope, Twitch, and uh, what's the other one? YouTube. Those are the three best to comment on because we'll see them. Um, if you did join us and would like to subscribe, you can always go to plugitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, Plugits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. Uh, and you can find all the ways to, uh, to follow us from there, including social media. And with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.